Grow CFO is where finance leaders grow together. Join thousands of like-minded professionals using Grow CFO to access the combined knowledge and experience of the finance leader community. You can join us today at growcfo.net. Hello and welcome to the Grow CFO show. I've got a very interesting returning guest today, Ollie Deacon. Now, Ollie runs our business partnering and our finance transformation boot camps. An interesting question for Ollie, because I know what those boot camps are all about. The interesting question is, how do you deliver pragmatic and useful training so that people don't learn theory, but do stuff? and come back and actually do things in practice and make a difference when they get back to the office? Great question to start with today, Kevin. So for those folks who didn't listen to my last one, I used to be a finance director at Microsoft until about four years ago. And I left, moved back to the UK and started thinking a lot about helping finance teams to make progress into the future. What I found that was missing out there in the world is great training that really enables teams to take immediate action on the things that they learn. So loads of theory, you can go get loads of theory off the internet, you can get loads of theory from lots of places. And what people are not short of training that gives them theory. But what I find so many people are short of, many of my clients, is training that enables them, that empowers them to go out straight away after the training and really go and make a difference, make some impact. Yeah. And so... I think the first time, Kevin, that I came across this was in the finance business partner training and specifically kind of the, some of the finance business partners, the boot camp that we do. The tools and techniques that we give the people who come on that program enable them that people leave. They literally leave the course at the end of each section and they go out and they immediately start to apply those tools. And we speak to them a week, two weeks later, and they'll tell us. Here's how we've been applying this stuff after that session. We're not even necessarily setting them homework. They figure out themselves during the sessions how they can go and apply those techniques, those principles straight away. And so for me, that's the type of training that we want to have is broken down into smaller segments where we give people a small number of principles and they can go away and immediately start to apply those in what they do. Yeah, I know. Over a career, I've learned all those things that you teach in the business part from bootcamp the hard way. Right. Nobody taught me how to do it. And I suppose for 10 years in ICI, I was European business accountant for the plastics business. I was working with the business team, talking finance to the business team. And my idea of what should the business account be doing? Well, I should be producing the monthly report for the business. I should be going presenting the profit and loss account for the month or the quarter to the senior business team meeting. I should be worried about putting the budget together. But I realised the hard way, that's actually not what the business is interested in at all. And I think that's the great thing about the business partnering bootcamp. It's about getting the finance business partners tuned in to what the rest of their business team actually want from them. Mm. That's right. It's all about influence. So that one specifically is about influence, right? For me, the differentiator that we give is you can be a great accountant, but if you're not influencing people, you're not a business partner. And so we help people on that program to transition away from just being a great accountant to being actually a great business partner. And how do we influence? How do we sell our ideas into the business? How do we generate real business impact? And so we think a lot about what those things are. So we've got all this numbers, we've got all this stuff. 
how do we take all the numbers and stuff and turn it into influence? And that's what seven part program is all about. I think as I attended recently, one of those boot camps, just to remind myself what was going on in there. I think the thing that struck me, Ollie, was that no, less is more. Mm. You don't need to give them 25 numbers. Three will do the job. Three is the magic number. Absolutely. And we spend a whole bunch of time in across the sessions really thinking about how do we slim down everything? How do we make all of this stuff that we have into the most concise insights that we can to really enable the business to engage with what we're doing and taking action on that? Yeah. So, Ollie, we've got a business partnering bootcamp coming up, haven't we? The next one launches in September. And we will be taking an, our next cohort of great potential business partners through the program and helping them to get ready to be even better business partners than hopefully they are today. So how does a boot camp actually work? So what we found is that, you know, all day training is great, especially in person, right? Getting the whole team together all day is great. But you can't um, do that over Zoom. People fall no. asleep after an hour. Exactly. Over Zoom, it doesn't work. The other thing about all day training is great for everyone in London who's like, you know, two minutes from each other and they all come together in some nice little room in London somewhere and they do all day training together. But so many of us are dispersed about nationally, even internationally now, that having a way that we can connect and learn online has been really powerful. And actually, as you've said, right, any more than three hours is too much for online learning. So what we found is the sweet spot is two hour sessions, if you like, two hour workshops that we hold over seven sessions. And we don't do them every single week because close happens and there's school holidays and various things. So we make sure that the sessions are at times that most people can attend. And each session, we introduce three to four principles in every two-hour session, we have interactive breakout groups. We take a principle and we understand how to apply it. We go out into the groups, we learn it, we come back, we talk about it, and then we do that three or four times. And the people who attend leave immediately being able to apply those things. And the principles build on each other over six weeks until in the final session, we bring it all together in this really great way where we make sure that students or the attendees can go out and deliver that in their organisations. Sounds fantastic. We're talking about seven two-hour sessions. But what goes on in one of those two-hour sessions? How do you engage people? So a few things that we make. First of all, the maximum time that I speak in any of those sessions, I think, is about 10, 12 minutes. So there's very little of the webinar style me talking. At the minimum, we're having discussions every six or seven minutes. We're inviting people to take part in that. Listen, understand, think about how to apply it to their situation. Make sure that all the time we're inviting, engaging people into that. So workshops tend to run at kind of 12 to 16 people in general, 10 to 16 people, so that everybody's engaged all the time. I can see when people aren't listening and I bring them back in to what's missing for them, making sure they're following along with that. So what we say to people, if the only time we want to turn your camera off and you've got to go away and step away and go do something, but in general, we encourage, we have a culture right from the start of the program that it's camera on. And so people are there, they're engaged. And I can see from their faces when they're starting to wonder, they're checking their emails or doing a bit of spreadsheeting and bring them back into what we're doing. But to be honest, there's no time to get into anything else because before we know it, we're back into a breakout group and we're taking action 
on the things that we've just learned. And then we're coming back and working on those things together. The activities that we do are really fun. They're engaging some of the things on the course. I don't want to give it away. I don't want to give too many spoilers where some of the fun stuff because the surprises are great. But we do things that are both fun and engaging. I met with somebody a week ago who'd recommended the program from that they'd been on it a long time ago. And they said, hey, the team should come and do the program. And the first thing they asked me is, hey, are you still getting that exercise where you get everybody to do this thing? Yes, yes, we are. Right. Because it remembers when people emotionally connect with the exercises as well as just, oh, I learned something that was interesting. But when they emotionally connect with the exercises, that's what they still remember years and years later. And they're still applying those principles. Mm, Yeah. So business partnering sounds absolutely fantastic. And next one is starting in September. So if you're interested in joining that September bootcamp, there will be a link in the show notes or ping a note to me or to Ollie or to Dan Wells. You can find us in all the usual places and we'll talk about it. But that's actually the public version of the bootcamp, isn't it? Where one, two or three people from the same organization could join the overall cohort. We've also done bootcamps just for one organization, haven't we? Yes. So organizations also, if they want to come through and just have the program run through them, we can do that with them. And actually, that won't be in the diary because we'll choose a date that works. We do. We figure out what works for them and put that in. Yeah. Ollie, what I really wanted to talk to you about was the Finance Transformation Bootcamp. Because that's something that has been evolving and changing. And we've been on quite a fun journey with that, haven't we? Absolutely. It's been great. Over the last few years, what I've seen, and I'm sure every finance team experienced this, is that We all need to go through. I have not come across a finance team yet that doesn't need to go through a pretty major transformation. And I'm not talking just about sort of our back end, big ERP system. I'm talking about our processes, the way that we do month end, the way that we do budgeting, forecasting, everything could be done better. Yeah. But teams and individuals just don't know how to do that. Exactly. And my experience as a management consultant is you get called in to run a project. More often than not, you end up doing something that if the client had organized themselves properly, they could have done quite happily themselves. They could have done. Yeah, but they don't because they don't know how to. They just don't know how. And it's basic stuff. It's basic in terms of in the same way that when we all start our careers as accountants, we're taught, taught in the first few weeks, here's a PL, here's a balance sheet, here's how journals work, all of these basic things. The same tools that management accountants are given in their first few weeks straight out of university, that's all you need. It's some really basic tools, but we just don't have them. And so we have no idea where to start with making change, making transformations. Exactly. And I can think of times that I've walked into client to their finance team and said, oh, we're doing this transformation. I need this piece of information. Oh, have you got a documented process to tell me how you do that? And you get a blank face because the first thing to work out how we're going to transform this process is work out what the existing process is. Right. It's just quite often just not written down. Stuff gets done or They don't know if they've got a business case to do it because they haven't got a clue how many people are really involved in the process, how much it costs. And we've seen in Gross CFO as well, we've done polls over time. One poll that I remember running earlier this year was asking our members, how many days does your close take? 
now. I remember back 20 years ago, we started citing Cisco systems and the virtual close as best practice. Mm -hmm. Well, hang on, 20 years on, people must be generally pretty close to that. Oh, no, they're not. Nope. And I got an interesting result coming back that said a lot of people will close on day five. So there's a huge spike in the responses around day five. Then there was a second huge spike, which really surprised me, which was around day 10. Yeah. But surely people must be closing before day 10 in the 21st century. And we're 20 years into the 21st century. We've got all the fancy systems. We've even got AI to help us. What's going on here? And some folk were saying in the comments, well, actually, we're at the next month then before we finish the last one. Yep. The thing is, how do we change this stuff, Ollie? For me, so many of my clients, so many people I'm talking to, right, why are you doing this amazing stuff in finance? What's stopping you from getting here? Time. What's the driver of that time? We spend so long doing all of our core processes that we don't have time to get to anything else. So I went out there and said, right, I'm going to go find this course. I want to help my clients. So I'm going to find a course that does this and then recommend this course to everyone. Didn't exist. No. I looked everywhere. I went around, talked to all kinds of different accounting bodies, looked in different places, nothing. There was nothing out there that I could find that helped a finance team do a finance transformation in whatever way you want to define that word. From I want to figure out how to do this particular process a month and better, all the way to picking a new ERP system. There was nothing out there. And so we built it. And specifically here, what we've done is got a bunch of management consultants, including you, Kevin, and said, right, how would you do this? How would you figure out the most essential, boiling it down to the principles that are most important and putting those in together in a way that when you come through the boot camp over seven sessions, any individual or team will be able to apply those techniques to drive their own transformation. Yeah. And it was great actually working with you, Holly, to look at some of the angles of this, because nearly every time you said, oh, you got a method to do this. It was, oh, we did that on such and such client. I'll dig it out and see if we can use it. Yeah. I think one of the questions we asked was, okay, pragmatically, how do you select an IT system? Yeah. Whether it be an expense automation, an ERP system, or whatever it might be. I said, hang on. Yeah, we've done that a few times. Oh, there was an interesting example when back in PwC, I project managed in Virgin Holidays. And with that particular project, we had to transform their planning and budgeting system. And they had a long haul travel operator. They had some very specific needs because their planning cycle was, in effect, the length of time of a holiday brochure, not a financial year. And a holiday brochure, you start planning what's in the brochure almost a year before you start publishing the brochure. You publish the brochure, you sell the holidays, folk go on the holidays, and probably after they've come back, you pay your suppliers. So, And any brochure, you might think, oh, this is simple, but no, there's a two and a half year business cycle. Mm. So hang on, as we decide to put a budget together for one year, how many brochures does that cut across? It's quite a few. If you consider the summer brochures, there are winter brochures, there's the United States, there's the Far East brochure. And it became a very complex problem. So we said, hang on, we need a system that can do this because you guys are knee deep in Excel spreadsheets and you can't see the wood for the trees. And it's probably the best system selection exercise we ever went through. So I dusted off the presentations around it. Well, what's at the core of this? 
Can we take this basic process and use it in the bootcamp? We built it and we've taken the core process of that and the core principles. And what I would say is when we're thinking, when you say the word system, what we really mean is software. We're selecting any piece of software that you need to solve a problem. We have boiled down to this is how you select software. And I will say, Kevin, not to age you too much or anything, but I imagine when that project happened, I don't know, was there great reviewing tools on the internet that helped you pick systems back then? Um, No. There was a fledgling organization that were just in the process of inventing their magic quadrant. Oh, nice. Yeah. But no, you could not go anywhere. And actually, one of the things we did in PwC at that time, I remember in the analytics business, we essentially had two big things going on. We had the part of the business that looked at planning, budgeting, forecasting, and we had the part of the business that looked at fast close. And I remember we had a beauty parade of various software suppliers. Mm-hmm. And actually, as an organization, we said, come in and demonstrate your wares to us. Show us what they can do. And we actually ended up starting to build our own comparisons so that you'd go to clients and say, reasonably independently, because we weren't in partnerships with any of these companies. Now, okay, that's your set of problems. We think for those use cases, this tool might prove better. That didn't mean to say we recommended that tool to every client. Yeah. And actually, the tools that we put into the software selection back there, they don't exist anymore. The world has moved on. Absolutely. And in moving on, what we've done is taken a lot of that core thinking, which doesn't evolve necessarily in terms of this is how to think about really selecting software. And we've brought it together with all of those kind of modern, we're using Captera, G2 in the course, which are software review sites. So we're collecting thousands of data points from other folks. And we're not saying in the course, we recommend X software. We're teaching people how to use sites like that as part of a software selection process alongside other things from the community, Grow CFO community and elsewhere to bring in and do a really good job of figuring out what software might help you with your transformation. We've jumped a long way into the bootcamp there, talking software selection, because I don't think we talk about that till workshop four or workshop five. Workshop four, yeah. Yeah. So where does that bootcamp start, Ollie? Yeah. So basically, the first thing that we do is session one is just about getting everybody on the same page about what finance transformation is. So we talk about what are signs that you need one? What does one look like? How would you plan for one? How would you think about one in the beginning? And we help people understand that actually... Everybody can be involved in this. And how do we empower ourselves and our teams to get involved in that? So that session one is really thinking about what finance transformation is and setting the journey out for the rest of the sessions. The kind of the key principle that we apply in that one is how do we really start thinking about this and begin that journey of getting into it? Then our second session is all about strategy, planning and culture. So how do we think about setting up the main plan for going into a transformation of any type? How do we get into that? How do we make that work? Session three is where we really get into the nitty gritty of processes. How do we figure out how do we map a process? How do we optimize a process? How do we test the process? How do we really get into that? Session four, as we've just been talking about, is all about technology. How do we figure out the fine technology, choose technology, all of those things that we're just getting into a bit more depth on there. Then we've got session five, which we get into data and analytics. Data is the lifeblood of finance. But data is also absolute junk in many, many organizations. At best, data isn't very good. At worst, data is useless. And so we talk about... 
I, I'm yeah. talking about that project back in Virgin Holidays. At the time, one of the other things we did in the analytics business was we specialised in implementing balanced scorecards or and technology was just coming through to put nice dashboards together. And the problem back then was, oh, what are we going to measure? Where's the data coming from? Oh, we haven't got any. We need an IT project to sort that out. Yep. Come into 2023, you've still got the same problem, but there's a different cause. Mm-hmm. Oh, what are we going to put on the dashboard? Now, we've got all this data and we're buried in data. We've got too much of the damn stuff. Too much. And loads terrible quality as well. Yes. And terrible quality. Exactly. So it's still a problem there. What do you measure? And I think part of this, what we look at in this program is a little bit about what to choose and what to measure. But the really big part of it is to say, how do we think about transforming our data? What do we need to do in order to do that? Because we've got all these different sources and all this stuff. How do we fix it? How do we bring it together? And how do we do something with it? And so we spend, we help folks to understand on this program what tools out there can enable teams to do that. Yeah. And a lot of finance transformation, I still believe, is about getting the right data. Yeah. Being able to measure the right things, putting the systems in place that allow you to do that stuff. Actually, as an aside, the September quest for Grow CFO Premium members is all about putting together a KPI dashboard. Going to run the quest across two weeks in September. If you're interested, I'll put a link in the show notes to it. We can't, in the time available in a two week quest, go and build an entire dashboard, but at least we can show you the principles of what you should be measuring and why you should be measuring it. Excellent. That's going to be a great one. Yeah. Looking forward to it, actually. So that is our session five, all on data analytics. So the question. That everybody turns up in session one and says, Ollie, hold up. No one on my team wants to go through change. How do we convince people to go through change? And that's what session six is all about. Change yeah. management. How do we make sure that we take our team's people with us? How do we think about managing change, leading on change, making sure that change happens? So that's our session six. And then we bring it all together in session seven with a big case study on how we think about end-to-end transformation, making it kind of bring it all together. Really, what we do in these boot camps is bring in each of the components, make sure everybody's clear on that, and bring it all together at the end into one complete piece and recap everything and bring it all together. So we'll be doing that in session seven. How on earth are you managing to change in one session? Ollie? How on earth are we managing to change all kinds of things in one session? Yeah, we're going to take a best of approach and we are going to help folks to just really think about it. it's a refresher. It's a recap. Just see how the components all slot together across it. And so we'll be making sure that it's that repetition piece that we see so often that's important. We're going to see how each of the different components fit together and do that in a case study at the end. What's the biggest thing you've got to get right in change? in your finance transformation. What is it about change management makes a difference between a a good project and a bad project? I mean, for me, and again, you're probably more the expert on this than me. I've led a lot of change over time, but from somebody who spends all their time thinking through change. But for me, it's making sure that you get the right people engaged and involved at the right times. So many clients 
who tell me, oh, there's some people who are going to be impacted by change, but I don't want them to worry and freak out. So I'm going to tell them like the day before it happens. Ooh, where in reality, recipe for disaster. Recipe for disaster. And so instead, how are we engaging, involving people at the right stages, which often honestly is early on? How yeah. do we get people engaged, empowered, bought into what we're doing? And so that's a really big part of what we think about when it comes to change. Winning hearts and minds. How do we make sure that people really feel like this matters? I believe in it. Our brains, they push, push, no change, no thanks. That sounds horrible and scary. No, thank you. We like the way the world is. And so we've got to really help people to make that jump, move into change. And we do that. And then there's an odd dichotomy there, Ollie, because, yeah, people shy away from change. But the processes that go on that we don't like, Mm. we're natural moaners and whingers when things go on that we don't like and most of the time in finance transformation we're getting rid of that stuff that people moan and whinge about like oh i submitted this expense claim three weeks ago why isn't the money in my bank account (laughs) right and what we do see what some organizations now appreciate isn't going to be lots of our organizations but one of the challenges we hear is people don't want to change i've been doing this for a long time that does tend to be a little bit more in public sector than perhaps in smaller organisations. But still, it is another part of change is that some people just don't want to change. So how do we deal with that as well? Yeah, and there's those interesting individuals that are the expert in the system that we've already got. And if yeah. we take that system away from them, they feel incredibly disenfranchised. Therefore, they will rebel against the change. Yep. The story that I was here on this is there was someone who told me about there was somebody in the business who took them two weeks to do a process every month and and they just said they were a critical component the business they could for something like 14 years they had been there every two weeks for 14 years to do this part of the process and they were convinced there was no other way no other person no nothing else that could do this and eventually some consultants got in and opened it up and in the end it turned out it was it could take anybody could do it in 20 minutes with the right systems and tools that they rebuilt in that way I'm sure there are stories like that all over the place. Yeah. Like once we get into those processes, we open them and up. And the, the, one of the big things in change for me is making sure that person who thought they were valuable because they were doing that thing every two weeks still feels valuable. Yeah. And how do we make them feel that? And, you know, it's one of those things, right, where people say, we're going to get rid of these people's jobs. So let's not involve them in this change at all, right? But actually, one of the things that we can do for folks that we're going to automate a lot of their work is engage them. Because for a lot of people who work in processes, they are great people to evolve what they do to be working on processes, right? Rather than people that do the process, how do they become the people who think about how can we improve this? Because there's processes everywhere that need improving. It is a transferable skill set. So rather than just I come to work every day and do X, Y, and Z, that I come to work every day and I help make X, Y, and Z work better. And then I apply it to ABC and then DE and F. And I think that's some of the way that we think about that. If you ask people to change, if you ask people to identify where they would like some change, you ask people to identify where they would like to remove cost, barriers will go up. Mm. I find engaging people to talk about waste, things that go wrong in processes, can get people being very creative about what they would like to see different. Yep, absolutely. And I think that we've got an exercise in one of the boot camps about that, haven't we? Yeah, we do where we just look at all of the different wastes, all the things that aren't going well. In fact, it's 
the commonly applied principles of the seven wastes of lean. And now the seven wastes of finance. <laughs> the seven wastes of finance. And we've taken what is a commonly applied set of principles and really thought about what they mean for finance. And we see incredible engagement on the course because it really resonates with people. This is something that so industrial processes, manufacturing people have been using for years, but actually applying these principles deep into finance processes translates really well and brings immediately people are starting to be able to say this is where we can start making improvements it resonates incredibly well with the folks on the course yeah so only we're right in the middle of a finance transformation boot camp at the moment aren't we yes. so it's not as though we're actually going to kick another one off in september the next one's going to come at the moment in january so next one in january if we get a huge amount of interest which we are expecting quite a lot i think we might need to put some other dates on and we might be able to run one a little bit sooner but at the moment the dates that we've got locked in are next january so we're looking to sign folks up for, for that one at the moment yeah now we've never done this particular boot camp just for a single organization have we but there's nothing stopping us doing that if you've got an entire finance team you want to put through this process that's right. We've built this very much in mind that this is for organizations as much for individuals coming through together, one to two, three some organizations. But instead, I think the maximum we've had is four people from a single organization through the program so far. But it is absolutely designed to have a whole group of people from a single company come and think about how do we make progress together? I think it's a really important point, Kevin, because so often I'm training folks on other courses and I've trained 60 people from the same organization. And I ask them all, every single one of them, I started hearing this thing coming up. Our budget process is horrific. I asked all 60 people, hands up if you think budget process is terrible. 60 hands, 60 hands. Hands up if you've tried to fix the budget process. Zero hands. Zero. Hands up if you think if all of you put 30 or 60 minutes into approving the budget process, your budget process would be a hell of a lot better. 60 hands. Yeah. Right. And the thing is, organizations don't know how to collectively make progress together. And that's what we're looking at. In this program, we would talk to a finance team and say, collectively, these are how you can apply these things to all make progress together. Continuous improvements. Right. And the agile kind of concept of continuous improvement, that's what we're looking to get our finance teams to. Sounds brilliant. Sounds absolutely brilliant. So we've talked about business partnering, kicking off in September, in case anybody mm-hmm. missed that. We're talking about finance transformation. We're running at the moment. We've got another one coming up next year. Another one that we're running, and we're probably about to put some dates in the diary, is about FP&A. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What's difficult about FP&A, Ollie? What are the challenges in there that we need to take that pragmatic, useful training to? I mean, I remember sort of being told, "Okay, go and do a forecast. Let's do some budget. And there wasn't in many ways sort of real training around that. And lots of organisations, especially smaller organisations, no one tells you how to do these things. I remember the first forecast I did. I thought the goal was to get how can I get the numbers back to where we need them to be at the end of the year? And I took it back to my boss and he's like, what's this? So it's a forecast. This isn't going to happen. I said, yeah, but this is how we can get the numbers back to where they need to be. So this is what we want to get to, right? And he's saying, no, this is not a sort of target exercise. This is a forecast. No one really takes you through these things. And so I think that's part of what we'll be looking at on these programs. Yeah, I'm thoroughly looking forward to getting the FP&A one moving. 
it's going to be a really, really exciting boot camp. So if you're interested in that, please drop us a line. It's going to be a brilliant program. But we're running another one as well. We're looking at Power BI. So Power BI is another one that I was involved in creating. I was telling people for 18 months, Power BI, it's the way forward. It solves so many of our problems in finance. This incredible tool that enables us to bring together all of our data and build interactive dashboards that people can kind of work with to get all kinds of insights, analysis, share data. Amazing. Such rich, powerful way. I hesitate to call it reporting because it's so much more than reporting. It enables data, rich insights to get out to organizations. And the problem was that it's really difficult to figure out the first day's worth of understanding of how Power BI works is really hard. I'll be honest. day one is hard and this comes to me this happens you've got two types of tech essentially you've got the tech that is really really powerful has a huge amount of functionality in it is very very useful but you've got to put time in to Mm -hmm. learn it there's other stuff that people really like that's the opposite end that core message is to be as simple as possible for users power bi is not that no (laughs) I contrast it as the difference between Excel and Power BI, right? Excel is, you open it up, you can use it. My six-year-old daughter has has done some stuff in Excel the other week at school, right? Anyone can use Excel, but Power BI, I mean, what's great about Power BI is it sits on top of Excel, lots of the same similar things in there, but it is more complicated. Now, what I found is the challenge is that there's loads of Coursera courses, all this stuff out there in the world. The problem is that when you go through all those learnings, it doesn't, construct the exact path you need to go from I can't use this stuff to I can do a really amazing commercial set of month-end reporting in Power BI which is probably the most common use case really for Power BI in finance and so what we did is we built a course that has only the steps you have to take to get there and nothing else and there was no other course out there that came close to doing that and Dan Stockdale who built and runs this course, did something really magical in the middle of this course. He figured out the 14 lines of code that you need to turn Power BI into the exact tool that every single finance professional needs, which is to be able to talk about things like month to date, quarter to date, year to date, in cycles, as well as forecast and budget. And he figured out the exact 12 lines of code that you need. And so in the course, we give people, here's the 12 lines of code. All you have to do is copy and paste it to here. And you never need to think about it ever again. And all of your Power BI from now on will be able to do this. Those 12 lines of code are worth the cost of the boot camp on their own. Not joking. They are worth the cost of the boot camp on their own. It took Dan a very long time to figure out those perfect lines of code. But now that he's got them, right, it's like the bridge. Imagine this chasm where you get halfway there and you can't. How do I get over the chasm? Those 12 lines of code are the bridge that gets you over the chasm. And from that point onwards, you can continue your journey and, and get to where you need to be. And so it's a phenomenal course. Power BI, very good. Brilliant. So four boot camps, four ways of delivering pragmatic and useful training. Yep. And we're not teaching theory, we're teaching practice, which is, I've got to say, that's what got me into the classroom teaching stuff. You know, spend ages as a management consultant doing planning, budgeting, forecasting month-end close, transforming financial systems. And you find that it's not difficult stuff to do, but nobody in the client 
knows how to do it. So they waste a lot of money on employing consultants to do stuff for them. And it's always been at the back of my mind that says, put the upskill folk in the average finance team, because this stuff isn't difficult if you know what you're doing. Absolutely. Yeah. Ollie, thank you hugely for being this week's guest on the Gross CFO Show. Thanks for having me back. It's been wonderful. Yeah. Yeah.